and welcome to the Dub Zone GA podcast. Derek Ryan here, and we're going to be looking ahead to this weekend's Dublin Senior One football quarterfinals taking place at Parnell Park uh, this weekend. Looking at those very shortly. Later on, Owen O'Donnell will also join us to look back on last weekend's Senior A hurling semi finals. Firstly, though, the football. We have two former Dublin footballers on the line to look ahead to uh, this weekend's games Barry Cahill and Dennis Bastic. Hey, guys. Hi, Derek. Hey, how are you? Good, thanks, lads. And also on the line is the Evening Herald's Connor McKeown. Hey, Connor. Hey, Derek. Now, a reminder of this weekend's uh, fixtures, uh, St. Jude's versus St. Vincent's on Saturday afternoon, Saturday evening, rather, at uh, Parnell Park. Quarter past five is that one. And Valley Bowden versus Nafina is at seven o'clock. Both those games live on RTE 2 on Saturday evening, by the way. And Chemical Krogs versus Clontarf and Castlenock versus Thomas Davis. They're the games on Sunday, two o'clock for Krogs, Clontarf, four o'clock for Castlenock, Thomas Davis. Those games are live on Dubs TV this weekend as well. Some really big games there this weekend, uh, lads. Um, I guess Saturday's games though, are the ones that stands out. Uh, Jews versus Vincent's and Ballyboden and Afina. They're the kind of standout ties, Barry, I guess. Yeah, I think so. Uh, for me, Ballyboden and Enders will be actually my slight favourite for the championship this year. Um, and Afina, who, you know, under Pillar Caffrey previously have maybe stumbled a bit uh, during the championship over the last few years, they finally got a big scalp um, against a big team in Ballymun. Um, so they've probably been a bit unfortunate with the draw heading into the quarter final. But that was a massive win for that Nafina team. They've obviously had a huge amount of um, underage success over the last few years. And as I said, the develop- their development in the senior championship was stunted a bit because they kept meeting Vincent's so early in uh, the championship at knockout stages but um, Desi Farrell seems to be doing a very good job with them and, and they're starting to, to finally flourish but as I said I, for me they're coming up against the uh, the senior championship favourites in Ballyboden so yeah that's going to be a very interesting clash They'll actually feel a bit hard done by I think after, after taking the scalp and coming out and not getting a more favourable draw Ballyboden are the on are the informed team really at the moment uh, and, and obviously Jude's Vincent's is a repeat of last year's um semi-final uh Jews beating Vincent's last year uh 211 to 8 points the 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 final score on that one so pretty comprehensive in that one um have Vincent's improved enough in the past year do you think guys to to push Jude's uh, this year was was last year sort of a freak result or is, is was that kind of a, a good match good idea of where the where the teams were last year um, for me anyway I was at that game last year uh, Vincent's did certainly look a little bit tired and a little bit w- weary um, maybe haven't been on the road for the previous five or six years and they looked very flat in that particular game against Jude and obviously Dermot Connolly only came on with a couple few minutes to play in that game when it was done and dusted really at that stage so you know having a, a motivated committed Dermot Connolly this year to the Vincent's group uh, changes things entirely because we know the quality that he possesses and he, and he could beat any sort of club team on his own really so you know a lot will come down to, to Dermot on, on the day and, and how much he plays I think Jer Brennan is, is definitely a loss for uh, Vincent's having retired there over the winter um, him being such a, a mainstay of that team and, and such a key player for them in terms of winning Dublin and Leinster's and All-Ireland titles so um, yeah I, I would see that game probably as 50-50 I mean Jones are a really really difficult team to play against it doesn't really matter what personnel they have um, they do have another non-dubs in their team um, I suppose they're a group that are able to train probably week in week out all year round together they're very consistent in the league but the defensive setup that they have um, it's very difficult to play against so I'm sure Vincent will be will be conscious of that and trying to come up with a game plan to, to overcome it you know Yeah I wonder whether they've spent an awful lot of the last um, the last couple of weeks Vincent's trying to like, I mean, it, it's not just something you can kind of conjure that, that kind of game plan to, to break down way Jude say like it takes an awful lot of rehearsal like we've seen Dublin senior football team the inter-county team over the last four years um, perfecting that because it was required and I think the big problem that Vincent's have in that situation is that like we know that Jeremy Connolly brings the absolute best out of Mark Quinn and in the Varley with those brilliant long kind of kick passes with that sort of low trajectory that catches out defences but Jude's set up in such a way and they're really really disciplined at it and Barry's point about the fact that they can train all during the summer, like they're really well drilled. It's not just getting bodies back and standing in random positions. Everyone seems to have a very good idea of what they're supposed to do in that system. And they'll give you the ball outside the scoring zone and make you kind of, you know, do something that you're not supposed to do and get, get frustrated and get uh, a little bit uh, impatient and kick away a rash ball. And when they turn you over in contact, they're very, very good at, at hitting on the brakes. 
And um, like other than sort of Dermot Connolly coming back in and Gary Brennan going out, it's hard to know sort of what changed much in on the Vincent side of things. Um, this year. Well, I think Shane Carty is injured. Is that right, Connor? He came back from Boston with a with an ankle injury, I think. Yeah, um, yeah he, he won the Boston Championship. Anyway, so. Yeah, yeah. So he'd be a so loss if he doesn't play. Yeah. Yeah, it would be hard to know kind of where Vincent are going to improve here unless they've kind of really perfected the game plan to play against this because, um, like it can be really, really frustrating and it can grind you down. And you can have really good finishers like, like Quinn and Varley sort of running from one end line to the other looking for space, but if it doesn't exist, it doesn't exist. So, um, like it'd be interesting to see how Vincent's approach this game because dudes already know that they have a, that they have a system that, it, that has proven that it can frustrate Vincent in a big way and did last year to, a, to an incredible extent. And Dennis, uh, yeah, your 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 view on that game again? It's probably the standout game. That and the Ballyboden games are the are the two standout games, I guess, this weekend. But Jude's Vincent's, what do you make of that? Have Vincent's done enough over the past year? Do you think to to kind of push Jude's? I think Jude's over the last number of years they've been consistently good and they've consistently got to probably semi final stage at least. So you know they definitely have that bit about them. They were probably disappointed last year how everything turned out in the end. But um, you know I think obviously. Where Dermo comes back into the team early on in the year, he was playing at six. That I don't think that was a success. Um, for Vincent, have they got a settled team now? Did know exactly what way they're was like what the lads mentioned earlier. Dudes know what they do. They know what to do well. Strong midfield, and physical guys around there, and they just they're all kind of they know exactly what they're doing and how they're playing. They're not going to change anything no matter who they're playing, and it serves them well. So. Yeah, I think this could be a really close game. Um, does that Jude's game plan do enough? Uh, like, can obviously they came very close last year. Can they can they do enough to win Dublin and and progress with with that game plan? Is there enough there for them to do that? Do you think? I I think I always like that. Actually, you can have your game plan, but you do like to have that bit of spark or that bit of firepower that might create something out of nothing. I think that's the good teams have that. Um. Maybe Jude's don't have many options. Yeah, they have taken a, a good few scalps over the last few years. Um, I mean, last year they beat Ballymun in the quarterfinals and then they beat uh, Vincent's in the semifinals. So they, they nearly did a lot of the hard work for Kilmacud Croaks by the time they get to play Croaks in the final. Um, they do have a bit, a bit of quality up front. I mean, the, uh, Coakley, from, who joined them from Cork, um, he's certainly a danger guy inside, and obviously Kev McManaman on his day, you know, is going to cause anyone any any a huge amount of bother, whether it's you know his direct play going for goals or winning frees, and he obviously takes a lot of attention uh, from a, a defensive point of view when you're coming up against him. So, um, but they are so well drilled that sometimes they only need a scoreline of something like one twelve or one thirteen to win a match, you know, over sixty sixty five minutes in, in a club championship game. So, um, I think for for Jude's last year, the, the Vincent's game was a huge win for them because they haven't really backed up a big win for a number of years. So they got two in a row, but I think to beat Croaks then in the final and have three three big wins was a lot to ask. But um, yeah, I, I mean, certainly I think for any team heading into the quarterfinals, you know, it's going to be a very very difficult game if you're coming up against Jude and, and I'm sure you know the likes of, of Vincent's or Anafina and these and Bally Bowden these guys you know they, they really wouldn't want to come up against them because um, they can catch you off uh, on any given day definitely Connor, would you would you have the same kind of idea that maybe you know Barry mentioned there they had you know, big wins last year where they couldn't maybe have that third win they're, if they're going to obviously if they beat Vincent's they need to go into the semi-final probably against a big side and again uh, heading into a final against whoever it may be, they'll need three big wins if they're going to go all the way. Do you, do you see them potentially doing that, Jude? Uh, probably not. Like I, I no, I think Bally Bowden and Kim McCoy would be my, I'm not sure in which order, but he would, he would certainly be my two favourites. Like the Jude's, even the last day in the last group game against Thomas Davis, I think they only scored one nine. The goal was, the goal was an injury time. So like they don't have the sort of quality of going to definitely don't that. Um, or they certainly don't have the spread of scores that folks do. They don't have the spread of scores that Valley Bowden and St. Andrews do. Uh, they probably don't have the spread of scores maybe that Vincent is and they do. So, you know, they're, they're obviously reliant on that system. And then, you know, last year in the county final, when Paul Mannion cut loose, you know, for all the systems in the world, and there's a guy like Paul Mannion who's as good as Paul Mannion is, it can be very hard to, to kind of shut that down. Um, so, and that's, that's basically where they, that's basically 
the rock they perished on, you know, when they went behind, they didn't have the setup of maybe the spirit stores is going to go and chase the game. So, you know, can they get one big win? Yeah, definitely. Can they get two? Almost certainly. Can they get three? I don't know. Like, it, it's hard to see a team that doesn't uh, have as great a spread of stores going on to, to win this, given the quality of the teams that are still in it. Yeah, that was obviously the Jude's Vincent's game was in the semi-final last year. Uh, Bally Bowden played Nafina at the quarter-final last year. Bowden had a big win that game, 313 to 15 points. Um, again, Barry, I guess, uh, is that a fair reflection? I know it was a year ago. Was that a fair reflection of uh, of the teams maybe then? And looking now, is is that, would you see Bowden being maybe going into this game being that seven points better or even more or, or less better than, than Nafina? Is that a fair reflection of where they are? No, I think it'll be tighter. Um, I know last summer, um, Nafina had a lot of guys that went away for the summer as well, which isn't ideal from a, a club manager's uh, perspective when he's trying to get a team ready for September, October time. Um, I think that's a bit different this year. Um, Desi Farrell has had that group of players together now since last November, December. Um, he's able to integrate Johnny Cooper and, and Owen Merchant and back into the team the last day and have that great win against Ballymun. So I think they're a much more formidable outfit this year. And certainly, um, they, they have a good chance against Ballyboden. Uh, but I think a lot depends on, on the likes of maybe Aaron Byrne and also Connor McHugh, um, and guys up front to see if they're going to be able to score enough. Cause I think Ballyboden have a, a huge range of different scores. Um, Ballyboden have looked really impressive this year. I think they're undefeated in, in Division One, um, with Anthony Rainbow coming on board this year. I was in at their game against Scaries in the last round and they absolutely annihilated them. Uh, they just physically, they just look really, really strong, um, you know, all over the pitch. Um, their half back line in particular is very impressive with Aaron Waters and, uh, Darren Nelson there. Um, and then Declan O'Mahony is still going very well in, in midfield, a guy that myself and, and Dennis would have played with for a number of years. And then the two guys in particular up front that have caught my eye are the two Bascals, uh, Ryan and, and Collie. Um, they're very good footballers, very easy on the eye, whether it's left foot, right foot. Um, well able to create and well able to, to take their chances as well. And one guy in particular who stood out the last day for me was a guy called Warren Egan. I think he's he's one of the younger guys on the panel. Um, but he I think scored one three and he and he contributed a huge amount of scores and won a lot of frees. So I think um Bally Bowden with also obviously Michael Dar McCauley to come back into it. He was rested the last day. I think uh yeah, they just have a better balance and, and better strength all around the pitch for me. And and even Connell Keeney came on the last day as well, which is another good option for them. Yeah, I just I just think it could be a tough day out for Nafina. I think that the high of winning the last day and knowing that they're after getting probably the toughest challenge out there, it's gonna take a massive big effort from them all. No better man than, than Desi to get them get them round up for it, but I just think yeah, Maybe a similar score I was talking to Desi uh, Farrell after the game the, the last day um, after they went over at Ballymun he was talking about how, how big a, a confidence boost that'll be the fact that they're able to beat a big side like Ballymun they haven't been able to do that the last few years and that was a, obviously was a must win game for them they had to win it they won it and they won it fairly comfortably in the end in terms of the scoreline at least um, how much of a confidence boost will that be for them heading into this game because again it's We've mentioned before with Jude's, they had they have they've had big wins and they need to have maybe two or three big wins if they're going to go all the way. Nafina will have a big win against Bally Bowden. They're going to need another one against Bally Bowden if they're going to progress to the semi-finals. How much of a confidence boost will it be the win over Bally Bowden the last day heading into this game? I think it'll be massive confidence boost for them because it was for a lot of those guys coming through over the last five or six years into senior adult football. They were so used to winning championships at, at sort of minor under 21 level for a number of years that, um, you know, in division one, they struggled in the senior championship. They struggled. Sometimes they were actually out of the championship come uh, May time. So, um, it was easy for a lot of the younger guys who were in college maybe to head away for the summer and, and really the, the year would just fall away pretty badly on, on the back of that. So um, the fact that they were still in the mix heading into September kept all the guys together and they knew this Ballymun game would be, you know, all or nothing for their, for their season. And also they were probably hopeful that maybe Ballymun wouldn't quite be at the pitch of it, you know, having five or six guys as part of 
the Dublin senior football setup for the last number of years isn't really an advantage to Ballymun anymore because guys are coming back tired, injured, maybe a little bit demotivated and then having to try and integrate them back into the team is, is very difficult. So I think that Ballymun game was there for the taking for Nafina and in fairness they, they did take it but I think also a little boost for, for Ballyboden is the fact that their senior hurlers are gone. They, they may not have as many dual players as they did a few years ago but I think that sort of distraction of having a, a your, your hurling team getting into a county final or beyond that's out of the picture at the moment as well so you know everything points to, to me uh, towards a Ballyboden victory we mentioned Desi here already what does Desi bring to Nafina this year um, you know that, that, they, that they haven't had over the past few years that maybe helped them over the line against Ballymun and that maybe what that they'll need this weekend against Ballyboden what does Desi bring to the to the setup against Dennis that, that, uh, that they haven't had over the past few years yeah no I just like the fact that he's had hands on with that a lot of those guys, any of the top guys, obviously with the the Dublin setup which he's been involved in as well. Like he he's had him for a number of years, and Barry touched on it earlier about having the guys throughout the year as well to work on. So, you know, he's he's a great all round manager, and he's been there, seen it, done it himself, and and done it both player and manager wise. So, I think he can just gel a team together, get them, you know, from from the feedback that I've got off guys who've worked under him. He just, you know, he gets you to go through the wall from, he, he's very cool and calculated and stuff like that. He knows exactly what he wants out of guys and he's good with the arm around and he's good with the with the kick up in the arse as well. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's all going to stand to them, but it, they still just have this, this massive task ahead of them. I'd be interested to see what uh, Conor McHugh does for them as well. Because if you remember, back in 2014, when Desi was governor under the one manager, I think the All-Ireland point against us, Tommy, was the best player in the district of one day or something like that. Yeah. He was in the full forward line with Paul Mannion and Carl McCostello. Um, for whatever reason, for the last few years, it hasn't really happened for Conor McHugh at senior inter county level, but he's a fellow with a huge amount of talent. Like, if he gets the ball in his hands, he can kill you. Um, and, you know, obviously, Desi has found a way, you know, even to get in that team, Desi must have passed very highly of him because there were so many really top inside forwards knocking around Dublin at that time. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what Desi makes of him because, he, you know, he is a match winner. There are, there are guys who can carry the ball really well and who are really elusive, uh, like James Dorn and Aaron Bourne. But in terms of a striker, a fellow who can, you know, throw a shimmy and take two players out of it to score goals or fight or foot, I think Conor McHugh is a rare enough sort of a talent. Um, and they're going to need to maximise uh, what they can get out of McHugh. Uh, good stuff so that's the two Saturday evening games like you mentioned there it's uh, St. Jude's against St. Vincent's at a quarter past five on Saturday evening at Parnell Park and Ballyboden St. Enders versus Nafina at seven o'clock on Saturday evening both those games live on RT2 on Saturday evening by the way then on Sunday it's Chemical Croaks versus Clontarf and Castlenock Thomas Davis two and four are those throwing times uh, Croaks can bring back uh, Keena Sullivan and Paul Mannion you mentioned Mick McCauley coming back for Ballyboden um, again, the, the, obviously they're going to come back against Clontarf they didn't play the last day they had three wins from three uh, in their group stage uh, what can those two guys add to the Croaks team against I guess a team in Clontarf that many were are possibly surprised to see in the quarterfinals not, not you know they deserve to come, come through their group but maybe people are surprised to see them in the quarterfinals so what can say Keena Sullivan and Paul Mannion add to that to that Kimmel Cudd team I don't know whether Keena Sullivan's going to play like he's you know, the hamstring injury obviously wasn't 100% by the time they got to the All-Ireland final and he had to do a huge amount uh, to get himself into a, into a situation where he was actually available to be picked for the replay. So um, I'd be a bit surprised if team had a huge involvement this weekend uh, and if he did have a, an involvement, um, whether he was particularly effective or you not know, because team's best role is being very mobile and kind of you know covering off space to play and doing that three but um but in, in terms of Mannion like last year Mannion put in one of the one of the best those you know Dublin senior football championships of any individual player for the last like Derek McConley's had some great ones as well but in terms of scoring like he was really off the track you know and he was kind of carrying a bit of a knock as well so you know they can they can probably ease him back into it but n- not in the same way that they do might be reliant on Kevin McManaman to, 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 to produce something because Crokes do have four or five fellas like Pat Buck is still, you know, leading the line heroically for Kevin McCook Crokes, but they also have 
know, Callum Pearson, and they also have Dan O'Brien who can kick in as well, and like Shane Horan. So, like, Mannion can kind of ease themselves into it. But I think facilitating that is the fact that they didn't need to play on the last day because they were already through by the time they beat the Vesters. Um, I think this weekend, okay, they won't, Robbie Brennan and Johnny McGee won't look beyond their past, but they know that they know that they have enough in the team without having to risk being or maybe even Paul Mannion if it's not. Yeah, I think it's a it's a big ask for Clontarf. I think for them to get into the, the top eight as, as such uh, senior championship quarterfinals is, is a brilliant achievement. They had a really good win the last day against Lucan. Um obviously Jack McCaffrey is is the standout guy for Clontarf. I'm sure his his name will be mentioned in the in the Kilmacud Crokes dressing room a few times this week when they're talking about uh, how to plan for Clontarf and, and who to single out and, and the key matchups, etc. So um but it is a big ask. I think Kilmacud Crokes have been coming over the last couple of years. I think possibly, you know, winning the championship last year was even a year or two a, a bit earlier than I expected, you know, because they have a lot of good young players coming through and, and they'd probably like to see the benefit of that over the next couple of years. But I think to Connor's point, Kilmacud Crokes should have enough without certainly needing uh, Keane Sullivan. And even, you know, I don't think Paul Mannion would have to shoot the lights out on Sunday to, to get them over the line against Clontarf. I think it's a, it's a good draw for um, Johnny McGee and the guys that they can sort of get a good match under their belt um, not have to go and get into fifth gear and, and maybe then get ready for, for a semi-final but um, you know Clontarf are the type of team that you know they're very competitive they're very gamey they, they brought you know Bally Bowden to uh, to the death of, of a championship semi-final three or four years ago and they still have uh, that same group of players there together um, under a new manager so you know I think, I'm sure Jack will have them Jack McCaffrey will have them well fired but it's, it's certainly there's a, there's a bit of a gap there between uh, both sides I think Yeah it's hard to look past Chemical winning this at ease but it would be a great chance to, to catch for Clontarf to catch them if they could but you really can't see that happening. I think when the code of you know, they've got a, a lot of youth, a lot of legs in there to be guys that'll be just chomping at the bit to again from here. And I think whether Clontarf have enough around the pitch to take out enough of those guys, I don't think they have. So but Jack will be at least he'll have one man if another I don't think him could be afraid to foul him when he when he's taken off or when he has the ball and I have the ball. So he's in for a tough, tough day. At the office, and I think I think that's the main point of focus for the chemical is would be to try and take out Jack because I think if you do that, I think you're just upping your chances of winning as well, and should be handy enough for him to do. Yeah, so Croke's the the big favourites for that one anyway. Um, and then the final game of the weekend, the final quarter final is Castlenock versus Thomas Davis. A big weekend, obviously, for Thomas Davis coming up last year. Uh, had a good uh, group stage, obviously getting out of the group ahead of. Uh, Plunkett's and Rahini as well so uh, going into this game though they're coming up against a Castlenock team who have obviously three wins in their, in their group four uh, a big task for Thomas Davis you, you would expect yeah, I, Castlenock have been going really well this year um, obviously three wins out of three in, in their group um, great victory over uh, Vincent's back there just before the summer you know going down and getting relegated from Division 1 into Division 2 this year hasn't really affected them they're able to, to win games and sort of blood players and, and, and try and get back up to Division 1 um, which they're likely to do so I think things are coming nicely for, for Castlenock again it's, it's not the worst draw for them in terms of getting into a Dublin Senior Championship semi-final and um, there was tougher tougher draws out there um, and from Thomas Davis' perspective obviously they, they, they would have felt hard done by it at the start of last year first of all being in the B Championship but in fairness to them they went off and, and, and regrouped and trained hard and, and won it um, last year beating I think it was Kula in the final and yeah they did very well to get out of that group I think it was a, a tough group to call but with Plunkett and Rahini in it as well, but you know you got to get to give them full credit. But I think if you look at the teams, you know probably like Sakir and Kilkenny, and then particularly um, McDaniel's uh, Westmead forward who joined Castlenock a couple of years ago is an excellent player, um, as is their Limerick free taker or Carroll. So you know those three guys in particular, I think are are at a level that maybe Thomas Davis just don't have at the moment. Yeah, I think Castlenock are one of those teams that. Um, they benefit an awful lot from not having too many players missing during the summer. And obviously when Kieran Kenny comes back into it, like he missed a lot of it together. But that day against Vincent, they were actually training them for, they were training coming into the second half, but 
Terrence McKinney at the edge of the square, the second the rain balls in. But then Dermot Dermot Rowe as well had a huge game that day as well. Uh, and as Barry says, James O'Carroll is like a really, really accurate free taker. But um, they're just one of these teams that kind of they, they make the most of what they have. It's pretty clearly defined game plan. Like when it suits them, they can play Kieran McKinney out around the middle of the park. Um, get him in that play, make him roll if he does so well for Dublin. But but the same token, like when he goes on the edge of the square, particularly at this level, like he, he's lethal. Like um, he nearly reminds me of Benny Coulter. Like when he when he goes in there, he, he, he hits to kind of cause such panic and even just get some sort of push on the ball to to kind of force the goal. So yeah, like at this level, I think Captain Knock will be a couple of years above Thomas Davis. But it's a fair achievement for Thomas Davis if you consider like they were the club who who was objecting to the, the split in the and then last year they won pair two and now they got out of a group but also had Rahini and Duncanson in it as well so I think to get here uh, is a fair achievement and like they've got players as well like Brian Deegan I think he's probably in the double final a couple of years ago for the Oakland Cup and then Shane McGrath who was playing for Clare a couple of years ago gives me a bit of sort of direct running and Steve Murphy is a fella who I thought as well was going to Probably make it onto the Dublin panel. Um, uh, might still do over the next couple of years, but um, I think it was two years ago we did a great job at Conor Callan. Uh, or last year on Conor Callan, the D semi final. Just a really, really nice defender. So, like Thomas Davis, are a, they're a good team who's been well to get to this level, but not quite a bit better. And Paul Hudson would have been a big loss for, for Thomas Davis. I think he moved over to the States a couple of years ago. I mean, he was a guy who was part of that under 21 team, I think under Desi Farrell, when he had the likes of, um, Connor McHugh and Costello and Niall Scully and Mannion and Kilkenny, you know, the top class forwards there. And he was certainly one of the best club forwards in Dublin for three or four years and, and he was a guy that was, wasn't was that far away from getting into maybe a, a Jim Gavin sort of 30 for championship matches or 26 so um, he's a, he, he was their go-to guy for a couple of years and he's not available anymore so he's a massive loss to them And Dennis your opinion on this game the Castlenock Thomas Davis game you seems to be pretty much uh, Castlenock huge favourites going into the game I'm sure do you have the same opinion as that? Yeah, no, definitely huge favourites. But with Thomas Davis, they're, they're definitely a team that can kind of self-motivate and pull off shocks and try and, you know, gather around as a team and just go out and a bit of between their teeth, I think. They're definitely that kind of team and can go and do that in certain games. But I think Castle Knock, they would remind me a bit slightly of Jude, where they have the set game plan and it's really difficult to break down. Um, you know, they know exactly what they're doing, how they're doing. It's not always uh, the nicest to watch, um, but it's effective. It's effective. And if you have a team that's coming up against that and finding it difficult to get scores against, then you're coming down to obviously Castle Knock with their excellent free taker and Kieran Kenny then who can get scores as many wants. And I mentioned earlier, in around the square, and say you're going to see a bit of that as well. Mix it up. But yeah, it's, it's going to be a difficult one for Davis's. Okay, so I think Sunday's games is pre- it's pretty obvious which way you're looking at. It's Croaks and Castlenock from those two games. Just your predictions from the Saturday games again, because they were a little bit tighter, I guess. Seems to be Bally Bowden, you were kind of, uh, the three of you were kind of going for in the game against Nafina, is that right? Yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah. Yeah, Bally Bowden it is. And then Jude's Vincent's a little bit tighter. Um, yeah, again, which, which way are you going for that one? Yeah, it's hard to know with that one. Um, and obviously with teams just coming back, uh, after the summer and, and getting inter-county players back into the team as well. It's really hard to know how, how teams can be motoring. Uh, you know, teams would have been playing probably a lot of challenge matches, um, up and down the country the last few weeks and getting guys back from maybe who were away for the summer. Um, I, I actually think this game could be, you know, 50 50, um, particularly if, if Shane Carty's not playing for, for Vincent's. Um, I think most people would have Vincent's as favourites, but, you know, Jews were very dominant against them last year in the semi final. Um, certainly Vincent would be motivated to try and, um, you know, make up for that, that defeat. But, um, I think if Shane Carty's missing, uh, Vincent's will be very reliant on, on Dear McConnelly and, and they'll need him to turn up and, and bring his A game. So I don't think there's going to be much in that game at all. And Dennis, your opinion on that, Jude's Jude Vincent's? Um Vincent's to to nick it by one just with the 
the bit of hurt there from last year, I think they might just get them over the line a bit. I just kind of agree with Dennis because I suppose I made the argument that on the basis of last year's game, the Jews should be favourites because of what they did to Vincent. But I think with the same token, like you know, Vincent go out and try and play the same way and expect to win, um, you know, it's not going to end well for them. And, and there's too many sort of experienced players um, in that squad to kind of fall into that trap. So I, I nearly expect Vincent, because of last year's defeat, now that might sort of that might be keeping the ball and actually driving through the stores and just hoping they're going to win sort of nine seven or eight six or something like that. Okay, good stuff. Thanks a million for joining us, guys, uh, this week. Just a reminder of the games, the quarterfinal fixtures before we go. It's uh, St Jude's versus St Vincent's on Saturday evening at Parnell Park. A quarter past five is throw in for that one. And Ballyboden St. Enders versus Nafina is at 7 o'clock in Parnell Park. Both those games are live on RTE2 uh, this Saturday evening. And then on Sunday at Parnell Park, Chemical Croaks versus Clontarf at 2. And Castleknock versus Thomas Davis at 4. Those games both live on Dubs TV uh, this Sunday afternoon. So do tune in for those games across the weekend. Thanks, guys, for joining us. Coming up next, we'll be chatting Hurling with Owen O'Donnell. Okay, we're going to turn our focus now to the hurling and last weekend's Dublin Senior A hurling semi-finals at Connors stayed with us. And joining us to look back on those games is Dublin hurler Owen O'Donnell. Hi Owen. Hi Derek, how are you not? Good, thank you. A uh, quick recap of the results from the weekend. Um, obviously Bridget's beating Crave Kira on 217 to 113 and Kula beating St. Vincent's at 321 to 116. So the final will be Kula against Bridget's on Sunday week, the 20th of October at 4 o'clock at Parnell Park. Uh, guys, a deserving final pairing, do you think? They were both pretty comfortable winners in the end, uh, Connor. Ah, they were, I suppose. Um, you know, I'd possibly be a small bit surprised by how easy, maybe not Bridges had it, but made it look by way of the scoreline. But the, the cooler display was pretty emphatic. And I think David Tracy's first point was the 30 seconds into injury time in the second half. And that was the only play that uh, scored in the game, so one point which is fair going. And I think everything that we spoke about last week, the school sort of came to fruition. Like they, they have so much quality all over the park, um, and it's just really, really hard to shut down the number of options they have in an attacking sense. I think that was only Mark Shute's second game back um, from shoulder surgery. He played the quarter final, um, second competitive game back, and he scored one three. I was interested to see that. Um, Willie Meyer lined out with Thomas Hallam. I think everyone expected Tron to go on the edge of the square and he probably ostensibly played as a centre forward, which meant that uh, Vince's move of bringing Tomas Connolly back as a sweeper, it never really had any effect on, on Tron. You know, he was still getting the ball in space. Um, he only really, I think, went for goal that time in the first half when he just flashed wide. But I suppose, look, the point is, you know, if Mark Shooter is being back playing at that level and, uh, I know he missed the last day, but if Paul Shooter is back in the team and Kino Callan is obviously back, the school have all the players back. Um, you know, they are one of the top two or three club sides in the country. Um, I, I, you know, I, I thought that they were probably only in third gear the other day, despite the fact that they won by such an emphatic margin. Ah, yeah, they, you can't argue with the two teams that got to the final. Um, I suppose from a neutral point of view, um, both semi-finals were disappointing in terms of. They weren't as close as we expected uh, before the game. Um, I think Crave Kieran and Vincent's would be disappointed how they performed and their performance on the day didn't reflect the work that has gone in throughout the year. Um, I think if you, if you look at the the um, Vincent's and Kula game to talk about that one first, um, you know, Vincent's had uh, a great win over Bowden and they had a lot of momentum going into that game and were... Sucker punched with two early goals against Kula and there were two goals that kind of were so unusual. They weren't just clear cut and that can drain the team because when you're going out against a team like Kula, everything has to go right for you to beat them and then you need some luck. Whereas to concede two early goals that were kind of fluky and, and people didn't know what was going on with them, that drained their momentum straight away and meant they were already going into an uphill battle. Um, So Vincent's probably would be disappointed with that but then disappointed with how they responded to that, that their key players didn't really get firing. 
that uh, John Heatherton was marked very successfully by Ocean Goff. Um, you'd like Tom Connolly, as Connor said, was put in as a sweeper to to play in front of Con, and then suddenly when Con was out the pitch, their heads were thrown all over the place. So their own performance was disappointing, and with the experience they have there on the pitch and in the in the backroom team with David Herity and lads like that, they were probably disappointed that they didn't react sooner and try stamp their own uh, structure on the game. So I think the kind of story from the two semi-finals was that Bridget and Kula both won in, in third or fourth gear, like Connor said, and probably didn't learn an awful lot from either semi-final and will be going into the final fresh enough. The goals, particularly the timing of the goals, like, like Vincent's got a goal off the first move of the game and it was a real textbook kind of a move. Like they won a ball. I think Kieran O'Flynn was maybe beaten to a ball um, um, and uh, it was laid off and like it was the perfect start for Vincent, like you know, Bulger got the goal. Sorry, it was uh, Maloney who won it out once the game. Okay. But like from there, you're thinking like we have a serious game on our hands here because the underdogs haven't just scored first, but they've got a goal. But they conceded the two goals as quickly as they did after that, you know, almost with the next attack, and in the manner of them. Like I mean, the two of them were kind of tapped in from from less than well, the first one was tapped in from less than a meter out, and the second one was kind of poked over the line as well. Now, there was obviously mistakes defensively from Vincent, but it goes to show you how kind of thinly they were. They, they were pulled by the movement of the, of the cooler forwards. Like for the second goal, actually, Daryl O'Connell uh, won the ball sort of in the corner forward, full forward position. So there was a lot of rotating of the cooler forwards. Um, and you see somebody even like Nicky Kenny, like who would be one of the less celebrated members of the, of the cooler attack, or certainly, the, you know, one of the guys that if you're doing your defensive matches, you know, you're going to put your, you know, fifth or sixth best man macaron. And, you know, because he had to deal with such a range of threats up there, Nick Kenny got to space and he was able to score four points of play and he looked like one of the best forwards in the field. So, you know, it's really, really difficult. Um, but it's the, it was the same in the other game. Uh, Bridges got those two goals, I think, in the space of five minutes within one another. Um, and defensively, they were really, really sound. I thought Sarah Plunkett, Mark Cavanagh, Jack O'Neill, Sonica Ryan, they were all, they were all really, really commanding. So, but you know, I think in both cases, like Bridges were better than Craig, Tula were definitely better than Vincent. But um, if you were Craig Kieran looking at it, and if you were St. Vincent looking back, you would certainly have regret about the, the, the timing and the manner of the goals that were conceded. They were the real kind of, they were the they were the moments that that the kind of wind was taken out of the sails. I chatted to uh, Willie Marr after the game on Sunday, the Kula manager, and he was uh, he was actually quite disappointed with their performance. Actually, let's hear a little bit of what he had to say. Yeah, look, semi-finals are there to be won. Uh, we won it, but I don't have an underwhelming feeling of just disappointment. We didn't really play well today. Uh, we have a huge amount to work on. Vincent scored. They opened us twice, particularly on puckouts or on the throwing. And uh, yeah, no, it's lots to work on for us. Like you know, it's funny you'd say that because I mean a lot of people would look at the performance today and be very impressed by it, especially obviously going behind uh, after 30 seconds with that goal. But after that, you really kind of stepped up, scored two early goals yourselves, and dominated the game really yeah look I don't know what it is I, well, I look at the, the tape when I get it but my immediate reaction is one of look I was, I was, I was underwhelmed with the whole thing so it's uh, again we have a huge amount of work on uh, we didn't suffer any injuries today which is a really really positive after what happened was the last day with Paul and John so uh, yeah we'll get ready we'll reassess and we'll drive on for, for Bridges in two weeks that's very surprising to hear to be honest I thought Kula are excellent um, I thought they, they like Connor said only performed in, in third or fourth gear but they performed at the level they needed to. Um, they surely really might be happy with people like Mark Schuette coming back. Like Connor said, his second game back and won three. But not only did he score one three, he was a target man and was winning ball and laying them off. Uh, I thought Kula stuck to their structure and system very well. Like the uh, putting consent forward meant that, first of all, Vincent's tactics going into the game were probably thrown up in the air. But also that they actually had sometimes played without a full forward line and Darrell O'Connell, Sean Tracy and Jake Malone drifted into that space. So there was constant rotation all over the place uh, for the coolest mid, probably front eight. Uh, and that takes a very mature team to do so. i probably say that's a, a bit of Mourinho tactics from Willie Marley <laughs> trying to play things down uh, going to the final because they know they're overwhelming favourites. I thought Kula were very impressive. It can who has only a couple of weeks hurling into him and five points from play. And it was five points from play that were out the pitch that were more of a hurling five points from play rather than get the ball, run straight at goal and score from 
from five or six yards out. They were really skillful points. Um, so I'd say Willie Mar is just trying to downplay things a small bit, but Kula are in a very, very strong position going into the final. Yeah, and I think as well they have Paul Schutte come back. It sounds like, I know he missed the last game and he's only coming back from a big, long injury, but it sounds like like it wasn't or any sort of recurrence to the hamstring injury that kept him out the last day. Uh, and John Sheenan as well, who, you know, he's capable of playing any number of roles for that Kula team. So, like, if you throw those players into the mix, you know, Keno Callan is fully fit, Paul Schutte is fully fit, Mark Schutte is fully fit. I'm not sure that there is another club in the country at the moment that has the kind of spread of talent that they have. And, and when they click, they're just going to be too much for any team, certainly in the Dublin Senior Hurling Championship. But, you know, as we keep saying, it, it, you know, maybe Willie Marr, the standards that he, he's setting for this game is, is beyond uh, Sunday week because, you know, they definitely have the potential to go a long way. Yeah, they probably um, are a county team in their own right. Um, like the, the potential in the players they have there is probably something we haven't seen in Dublin um, for a long number of years. Um, like someone was making the point at the weekend there, like if, if Con or Mark don't step up to the to the match, then you have Sean Tracy, Jake Malone, Nicky Kenny was probably one of their better forwards and wasn't due to start before the game. Um, so they just have an abundance of talent all over the pitch. And then kind of the sacrifice you have to make going into the game is do we play a sweeper like Vincent did with Tom Connolly but the other hand of that is then you're leaving Sean Morn as a sweeper who excels in that position and is, is probably his favourite position and when he's given good ball into the likes of Mark Schutte, Con O'Callan there's very little any defensive structure in the country can can live up to um, so it's just it's not to write Bridget's off because Bridget's had a fantastic performance and they've been growing all year and they had a couple of really really good performers on the day it's just hard to look past such a, a comprehensive and, and complete Kula team when they have not only strong 15, but 17, 18, 19 players that can come on and do a very good job for them. It's, just, it's very hard to look past them. And how impressed were you overall by Bridges? Because, I mean, we mentioned the early goals in the, in the game against uh, and the, the Vincent's Kula game, but obviously there are two early goals in the, in the Bridges game as well, both going to Bridges. That kind of gave them the buffer for the rest of the game. Were you impressed by them? Even aside from those goals, were you impressed by them overall, alone? Yeah, definitely. I, I, I was very, very impressed with Bridget. They remind me of a team of young lads that are genuinely good mates and are enjoying the hurling they're playing. And that's something that can't be said about too many teams. That um, They have a couple of players like Owen Dunn, who was man of the match by a long shot, was just everywhere. Uh, Keno Sullivan. It's actually funny that they play quite a, a similar style to Kula in terms of they have a target man in Keno Sullivan full forward, they drop their half forwards and corner forwards slightly at the pitch and try, leave space for a keen, like Kula do a con most of the time. Uh, but, but lads like Owen doing what I was saying, I'd love to know his role, what Johnny McGurk gives him, because he seems to be operating at 11, but drifting anywhere he wants and being an option for Alan Nolan and then appearing inside. And he's a, a phenomenal talent coming through. And if you look at the size and athletic build of him, He's one that Maddie Kenny and the Dublin backroom team have to be looking at to try to bring in because he was just the legs on him, the hurling on him. He was unbelievable the last day. He nearly couldn't put a foot wrong. But the question you have to ask is, is he going to be able to do this mark and the likes of Paul Shusha, John Shane and or, or Sean Moore? Because that's a, a massive step up again than what Crave brought to the table. Yeah, it was almost like how Clare played uh, Cullum Galvin a few years ago. Um, you know, people think if you bring a sweeper back, or if you bring a player back into your own defence, the sort of negative move. But like, you know, if you can get a sharp hook out and you have a good player on the ball, like Owen Dunn, you can, like, you know, you you can make life an awful lot easier for your forwards. And Keno Sullivan is another fellow that I think is huge potential as well. Like, if he gets ball in space, he's so kind of he's he's crafty. You know, he can he can put a defender off balance. And like, what's he score one two the last day? Like, like it's a fair haul considering that the bridges back. I'm not sure any of the Clay players scored more than a point to play um, in total. So, you know, they're coming to the ball kind of quite nicely. They have a good mix. Even Kevin Callan there, who I think was on the Dublin minor football panel a few years ago, he's a, sort of a big outlet um, and he's able to win ball. Now, he was gone at half time the last day, but, like, you know, there's, there's room for improvement there for him as well. Um, and I thought the defence was just, you know, like that's like we, we were talking last week about the Clay forwards and the the range of threats and the kind of variations that they have up front. Like, like the difference between like a Billy Ryan or a Francis Usanga, they both, they ask very different questions of you, but um, like, I think their one got one six and maybe only a point to that was from the three. Um, so, you know, defensively, Bridget, they're able to deal with an attack that has an awful lot of variety, but it's up front 
um, and the way they move the ball, that they, that they look like you know like a proper modern club hurling team. Like they, they don't go out and uh, just have a go. You know, they have a they have a, a definitive system and a, a suits the style of hurling that they have. And in Paul Winter as well, very very good free takers because you need that. You know, at this time of year, like if they're going to be still in the in the Dublin club final, it's going to be by a very tight margin, and you need somebody to hit six or six threes or seven or seven threes or whatever it is. I think Alan Nolan in goal for Bridges as well is has to be given an awful lot of credit for the defensive setup that Bridges have. That if you look at him and you can probably hear him when there's not as big of a crowd in Parnell Park, that he never stops talking and communicating to the backs. And he's nearly like a quarterback in American football that he launches a lot of their attacks from the puckouts. That I, I, I couldn't count the amount of times that Owen Dunn and lads like Johnny, Mazurk, Johnny McGurk and Kevin Callan were catching the ball face guard high with their hands stretched out in front of them it wasn't like loopy ball it it was direct puck outs into space and that's a credit both to Alan Nolan Johnny Murk the manager but also it's a sign of a mature Bridges forward line that they can move and create the space because like the thing about tactics and structure and stuff is it's all well and doing it grand doing it in training and walkthroughs but when you're when you're tired and you're you're after making a run in a county semi-final to be able to run for the next puck out is a, is a very mature thing to do and Bridges seem to have that uh, which is surprising for such a young team. Uh, so Johnny McGurk really has what it looked like from the last. They got the balance right between tactic structure and then the freedom that the forwards are allowed to express themselves. So very hard to know whether Bridgets were operating at a very extremely, like extremely high level or if Crave were just disappointed on the day. It was maybe a bit of both. But the real test for Bridgets would be will they be able to do that with top-class backs like Sean Moore and Paul Shute, Oshin Goff, Keen O'Callaghan, these lads are have been there and done it. They've two All Irelands for, for the name, so you know it'll be a step up again for the Bridges setup. Yeah, you, you talk there like a, a man, like you know what you're talking about in terms of the, the and Alan Nolan and his, his way he talks to the defence. What's he like with Dublin? The same? Is he something similar? And how helpful is that to have someone behind you, kind of giving you direction about where to run and where to move and all that kind of thing? Yeah, Steph. Sometimes you can't help but turn around and tell him to shut up because he never stops. But uh, <laughs> he is he, like it's. There's a reason he's an all-star nominee, and and some of the saves and catches he made in that semi-final. Now I know Crave got uh, a goal from a high ball that came to the square, but like they're difficult ones to deal with. They're fifty-fifty at best, and they can just go anywhere. So I, I nearly wouldn't mind that at all. Like Alan dealt with a lot of high ball, and he made a, a spectacular save there in the second half. Um, so he really is. He's a great fella to have around. He brings a lot of experience to that Bridges side and it's probably a, a Bridges side with a lot of youth on their team so having someone like him is, is hugely important that can like I said talk launch book outs and bring that experience so he's one that Johnny McGurk is very lucky to have there um, The after, after the game Johnny McGurk was talking and he was uh, saying that uh, you know they've been underdogs the last few games Jude's Nafina and Crave and came out on top in, in all of those games is is he happy now to go under the radar? He's spoken about Kula now being the big favourites for not just Dublin, but even going on if they can get through Dublin to get into Leinster and, and, and beyond. Uh, is Johnny McGurk happy to be kind of going in under the radar a good bit into this final and letting Kula kind of take all the limelight and him hoping to do the same as what he's done the last few weeks, uh, be the underdog and, and come out on top, uh, Connor? Ah, yeah. Like, it never hurts to be the underdog when it comes to that sort of stuff. And even... You know, I know a lot of the talk around Parnell Park last week because Kula were so emphatic and so kind of composed. Like, I mean, they really managed that game. Um, like, you know, they always looked like they were in control of the game. So a lot of the talk was inevitably, look, can this team go on and, and win Leinster? Because, not just because they're good enough to do that, but because they've done it in the past. Um, so, like, like, it's no harm being the underdog in that sort of situation. I think this is only Bridget's second county final ever. You know, so like, like it's inevitable, but like it's a good thing for this team. And like, I know Johnny McGurk has had the Bridges team since, like, well, he's had Bridges teams uh, going back to that Fela team um, that went all the way to the All Ireland. So, um, like, they're 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 going to come in a serious way over the next few years. And I think being in the county final, um, will, will just do no harm. But like, at the risk of repeating ourselves, like, you can be underdogs all you want, but there's a reason for that, and the reason for that is that. Kula are seriously good, um, and it's no reflection on Bridget. It's, it's just that, you know, if uh, like if the Kula lads are all fit, they've had their year of not going all the way to St Patrick's Day. Although I know next year's final isn't on St Patrick's Day because somebody corrected me on Twitter the other day in January. But 
like they've had a bit of a break from going so long through those years. Um, and fellas are coming back into form and back into fitness. So, yeah, like it's, it's no harm being the underdog, but, um, you know, it's, you know, the reason you're, you're the underdog is you're coming up against a team who I think are now with the bookies favourites for the All Ireland. So that's, you know, that's, that's kind of a measure of, of what they, what they face on Sunday week. Yeah, it is like you kind of said it. There's a reason they're underdogs. Um, like I, I hate to write any team off, and it's unusual to write a team off that like Bridges that played so well in the semi final. Just cool to have so much firepower there that their aspirations are going to go far beyond a, a Dublin County final. Whereas Bridges, if you offered them this at the start of the year, probably would be delighted to take it. And that's not taken away from anything that they have in their camp. Um, it's just that this cooler team are. A county team in their own in their own right, and they'll be looking. I think someone was saying it's it's early January the final is. Um, so I say this cool team be very disappointed if they're not featuring there thereabouts. Okay, guys, thanks a million for joining us. And a reminder that uh, that final takes place on Sunday week, the twentieth of October, a four o'clock throw in for that one. It's Kula uh, versus St Bridget's in the Dublin Senior A hurling final. And uh, we'll be looking ahead to that game in depth on next week's podcast. A quick mention as well for Scully Connell who claimed the Senior B hurling title on Saturday. Uh, they beat Thomas Davis uh, by 111 to 11 points in their final at Parnell Park. And Fingallians with Paul Flynn on board. He scored a point uh, as Fingallians beat St. Jude's by 13 points to 11 in the uh, Junior A final to claim the Junior A title. Another medal in uh, Paul Flynn's cupboard there. So well done to Fingallians and to Scully Cunnell. A reminder of this weekend's quarterfinal games in the Dublin Senior 1 Football Championship before we go. It's St. Jude's versus St. Vincent's at Parnell Park at quarter past five on Saturday evening. And Bally Bowden St. Endes versus Nafina at seven o'clock on Saturday evening, also at Parnell Park. Those games are both live on RTE uh, 2 this Saturday evening, so do tune in for those. And then on Sunday, Kimmelcook Croaks play Clontarf at two at Parnell Park and Castleknock versus Thomas Davis at four, also at Parnell Park. Those games will be streamed live on Dubs TV, so tune in. Uh, for those games as well. That's it for now though. Thanks for listening and chat to you soon.